Hello and welcome to Copy with Maxwell. For this week's episode, I ran a poll on my Patreon. Uh, there was three different topics, and two of them came joint top. One was new coffee origins, and the other was freezing coffee. I'm going to talk about freezing in this episode and come back to new origins in another episode. I'd like to start this episode by telling you why you should freeze coffee. What are the two reasons that you would want to freeze coffee? And then we're going to go back and dig into why, and I'm going to take you on my personal journey of finding more out about freezing and what it means for coffee. Okay, so the first one is freezing roasted coffee and grinding it frozen. This is going to improve the grind quality. And second is storage, is shelf life. Call it whatever you wish. Now that second one, well actually, my mum's feeling pretty smug right now because she's been doing that for many, many years. And there was a phase where third wave or specialty said, no, you don't want to freeze it. You want to keep it in a cool, dry place. Don't put it in the freezer. Uh, and now we're saying, put it in the freezer. And for the storage, we're referring to both the conversation about freezing green coffee before it's roasted and storing it that way, but also freezing roasted coffee. Grinding coffee frozen is a bit more of, a, of an avant-garde idea, a bit more of a new idea. And that's where I'm going to start because that's how I became really interested in freezing coffee. And it didn't start with frozen coffee. It started with this idea of coffee changing temperature in a cafe. So in about 2015, I wrote uh, one of my long, long blogs, uh, which I don't really write anymore, several thousand words about grinding coffee. And really the whole thing was just a lot of questions. It was saying, there's a lot we don't know about grinding coffee. It seems complicated. A lot doesn't add up. And I really believe that alongside water, grinding is the other big one. Well, in terms of brewing, not in terms of obviously flavour overall, that's origin. And I wrote this blog, and in the first paragraph of this blog, I thought, well, I'm going to talk about all these things I think we don't know. So why don't I start with summarising the few things that we can in coffee agree on? I mean, that's a mistake. because <laughs> It's very hard to find anything that everyone agrees on. But in this paragraph, I said, if you've ever worked as a barista, and you've worked on the bar, and you've opened the shop or the cafe, and you started making coffee in the morning, the shops run differently. They tend to run slower. And then as you get busy, you make more coffee, something happens. Is it the grinder? Is it the room? And the coffee speeds up. And um, somebody on Twitter, a well-known barista competitor, coffee person, said, can I prove sentence two? So I get the blog up and I'm like, sentence two, sentence two. Oh, the, the cafe thing about the grind changing in the day. Hmm. So I thought, well, can you disprove sentence two? Anyway, this began a back and forth. And the debate was that this person had been doing research looking specifically at the temperature of grinders and saying, and saying no, in their research, there have been no change. Whether the grinder was 20 degrees or 80 degrees Celsius, the ground coffee had exactly the same profile. Okay, so I was working a lot with Chris at the time, who we'd just written the water book with, and we were both really eager to get our hands on this data. So much of any science is about interpretation of data as much as it is about the gathering of that data. You know, the data itself doesn't tell you something. You have to interpret it in some way. And so we got hold of this data, and the first thing we noticed was particle distribution graphs, which have become common in the coffee industry as a way to communicate grind profile, uh, well, they're more interesting than you think. 
So a particle analyzer is an incredible piece of equipment and effectively you put a sample of ground coffee in there and it measures small bits, big bits, basically counts them all. But the graph that you're used to seeing, this graph, you'll see along the horizontal axes that that is size of coffee ground. So at one end you have nothing, zero, and that's in microns, that bottom, that bottom of the graph. And obviously, when you grind coffee, you get a mixture of pieces. You never get the same size. You get some really tiny bits, which we call fines, and you get some bigger bits, which we tend to call boulders. We don't really seem to have a word for the size in the middle. That's just ground coffee. <laughs> um, and then on the vertical axis, this is the really important one. That axis is volume. So if you had thousands of little pieces, well, they could take up a small amount of volume. And you don't need that many big pieces to take up more volume. And the thing is, these machines don't give you the data in this format. In fact, it's typical with the software that you can interpret and present that data on three different graphs. So let's just explore this. If you take that same data and you change the vertical axes away from volume contribution and you move it to surface area contribution, you see the graph completely changes. Well, that's because smaller pieces may take up less room, but they contribute more to surface area. And then this is the crazy one, is number. So basically the number of particles. That one's just crazy. It's a pointless graph because it, what it makes your eye do is you now think that that grind is basically just fine. You can't even see any of the bigger ones. There's so many small pieces. I guess my point here is, depending on how you interpret the data, you get a completely different result. Visual representation of data is interesting. We're, gonna look, we're going to look at whichever peak is the tallest, and that's the one we're going to focus on. It's going to steal our attention away from anywhere else on the graph. Why is this all important, you're asking? Have I gone off topic? No. <laughs> this is important because we took the same data that had been used as the research that started this Twitter argument. And just to be clear, that data was presented in volume. And there didn't seem to be any difference across those two graphs for the coffee when it was ground at a higher temperature and a lower temperature. They looked identical. Why? Because the big peak in the middle didn't move. But if we started to look down at the bottom left, the small pieces, the fines, well, a significant change in those fines doesn't really affect the volume. But what if you change that information to surface area or number count? Well, you see an immediate change. What you see is that at the cooler temperature, the coffee grinds finer. So you get more fines at a colder temperature. So then we thought, well, we need to test this further. So Chris, using his charm, managed to uh, borrow a particle analyzer and we set it up at the shop in Bath at Clonner and Smalls. And we shut early on an afternoon, sorry to the customers that we shut early for, and we got coffee samples from different roasters around the UK. So these were different origins, roasted in different styles. And we basically just tried to recreate as many different temperatures as possible, grind the coffee. Uh, we, you know, we, we heated them in a sous vide, we put them in the fridge freezer, we used uh, liquid nitrogen, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, trying to get as big a range of temperature as possible. And we reproduced the same results. It was clear. As the coffee got colder, you got more fines. 
And the particular change was between about 20 degrees Celsius and minus 20. That's where you see, saw the biggest change in the grind. What does this mean? Why does that happen? Well, it's actually a very simple physics principle, the spaghetti principle. The idea that when you make the spaghetti a bit warmer, it breaks in less places. When you make it cold, you make it more brittle and it breaks in a lot more places. So it's a really simple physical phenomenon that applies to most material on planet Earth. Okay, so that's cool. So what we're saying is, if the coffee's cold, it shatters more and we get more fines. Now this research turned into a paper that was published. It went into a sub-journal of Nature. Uh, the link is down below in the description. We published this paper and it had a pretty big impact. Very, it was interesting to me to see whether people would think it was good or bad, okay? What that means is that cooler temperatures from a grinding technology point of view, it's hard, there's more variance. So actually, if you were to use a warmer grinder, the consistency would be better because you're moving away from that sort of shattering phase that we call it. Um, but what happened quite quickly was rather than embrace hotter temperatures, suddenly a lot of people were interested in the cooler temperature, the frozen coffee. And they were interested in this idea that if you can get the grind finer, you can create more surface area and extract more coffee. And there is a trend in coffee to try and extract as much as possible from the coffee. And there's some strong arguments as to why that's a positive thing, completely separate episode. But suddenly there was a lot of interest in freezing the coffee. Now quickly we had to realize some things like, okay, uh, you don't want to freeze the coffee with a load of moisture. You don't want it to be out of the freezer too long before it goes through the grinder because it attracts moisture from the air. So you need to either have it in small vials if you're just gonna freeze it and grind it that same day, or if you're gonna freeze it and store it over time, you need it in a vacuum sealed pouch of some kind. So that was the sort of technicalities of it, but really people were saying, yes, freezing is good. And mainly the discussion was, well, it's good because of particle distribution. And to be fair, our academic paper was using particle distribution as the primary metric for discussing the impact of temperature. So people were saying, okay, it appears the particle distribution improves or at least changes when you grind at different temperatures. And frozen seems to be good. So since that paper in 2016, freezing has become a trend, not just for grind quality, I don't think, I think very much because of storage, but we'll get onto that. That's the second point. And so I really sort of forgot about the freezing for a bit. And I started a grinder project not that many years ago where we started to research the difference between coffee that tasted good in a grinder and coffee that didn't taste as good in another grinder. And one of the grinding's biggest challenges has been finding out, well, why? What is the difference between that grinder and that grinder? And why does one taste better? Particle distribution doesn't tell you. It really doesn't. You can have two grinders that have a similar particle distribution curve and they taste different, very different. Okay, so this is where I've had to cut a big chunk out of this video where I disclose far too much about a top secret grinding research project. Uh, so sorry about that. Uh, this is honestly not on purpose uh, as a tease or something. I was phoned up by the people I work with who said, you really can't share all of that. Uh, uh, the roastery is in full flow this week, so I wasn't able to refilm the whole thing there. So I filmed this short segment to go in its place. Okay, so without digging into all of the exact causes and correlations that we found, what I can tell you is that grinding coffee frozen protects the quality of flavour. It makes it taste better. If you were to do a simple test and you were to take, uh, and you were to take a dose of coffee, 
depends how you brew filter or espresso coffee, but 15 grams of coffee, and you were to weigh them out into two small little pots. And one of those pots you left on the counter and the other pot you put in the freezer, not for too long, a couple of hours. And you take that out and you grind it straight through the grinder, grind the room temperature dose, brew the same coffee side by side to make it a decent test, probably do more than one uh, cup of coffee because there's always some variation there, uh, and taste them side by side blind. Do it with some friends uh, or do it on your own. Without fail, I and lots of other people pick the frozen grinds without knowing. Nearly always it's cleaner, more aromatic, bright, structured. Now, what is interesting is as you go down to something like a chocolatey nutty coffee, the difference becomes far less discernible. So the freezing really protects and elevates those floral, high scoring, ripe, fruity notes. Okay, so point one in summary. Freezing roasted coffee and grinding it whilst it's still frozen straight out of the freezer makes the coffee taste better. Now, let's go back to the roastery and we'll move on to point two about long-term storage. Okay, number two. Number two is storage. Now this one feels more intuitive. This makes a lot of sense. We freeze lots of food and drink. Freezing has proven to be a great way to store flavour and lock in freshness. I mean, again, I always struggle with the term freshness because fresh means, or fresh. If it's stored for a long time, it can't be fresh. But that's one of, the, that's one of those um, difficult terms because actually does it matter if it's fresh if it's in the same state? You know, it's very famous in supermarkets that the frozen peas will technically taste fresher and have more of the attributes of fresh peas than the fruit and veg that is sat out in the, frigid, in the cooled fridge areas. One of the challenges with coffee is it's not perishable in the same way fruit or veggies. It doesn't really go moldy or become inedible or bad for your health. So the stakes aren't very high that we need to keep it super fresh. Uh, we just become interested in keeping it super fresh because of flavor. And whether that's green coffee that tasted better when it landed in the country or um, roasted coffee sat on a shelf for a long time, not tasting as good. And all those challenges we have around packaging and uh, ways to try and keep that coffee tasting as good for as long as possible. So why aren't we freezing coffee more? I don't know what the argument against freezing was that we stopped using it as a way to store coffee. Maybe it was the, maybe it was this obsession with freshly roasted, this idea that you shouldn't be keeping the coffee, you should be getting it freshly roasted from a local roaster, put it in a brown bag and use it quickly. I mean, ironically now looking at it, you can, that coffee can, that coffee in a freezer for two years tastes better than the coffee in the brown bag with no oxygen barrier will after three weeks. But maybe that's where it comes from. Anyway, and so now the trend is to go, well, actually, if freezing's good, if we can freeze green coffee, George Howell in Boston in America is a pioneer of this and very famously showed that by freezing a coffee from a really good Kenyan harvest, and famously showed that by freezing a previous harvest of a coffee that was a really great harvest that year, a high scoring year, uh, and freezing it over time to then defrost it, roast it and brew it next to a fresh harvest from the same origin, it tasted better. Not because it's been frozen, but because that was a better harvest. And so this really validated this idea of freezing green coffee. That comes with all sorts of other challenges. It's expensive to freeze, lots of energy gets used. But the argument against it would have been the moisture, the same challenge you have with food. 
which is basically the crystalline structure of ice smashing all the cell walls. The best example of this is a tomato, which is 98% water. So you freeze a tomato and it is, and when you bring it out uh, and defrost it, it is mush. And that's because the ice has just destroyed. There's so much water in there, so much ice, it's destroyed the structure of the tomato. But green coffee, 10 to 12% moisture, doesn't appear to be a massive problem. And for roasted coffee, well, I mean, there's barely any moisture in roasted coffee, so it really doesn't seem to be a problem there either. And in both cases, there's been lots of testing. I'm part of uh, an Instagram group where a bunch of people around the world debate the best way to freeze and store coffee, and people share their results. One of the biggest problems I have with it, though, is it's very hard to compare. So if you freeze a bag of roasted coffee today, and in a year's time, you taste that bag versus the bag that wasn't frozen, well, yeah, the frozen bag wins. But was, is the frozen bag as good as one year ago when it was fresh? Well, you, there's no way to tell. Because if you roasted a fresh bag uh, today, well, the green coffee's aged. I mean, maybe your best bet is to take frozen green coffee, roast a bag a year ago, stick that in a freezer, and a year later, take some of that frozen green coffee, roast that and compare the two. But then you're relying on the green coffee being frozen, being in a constant state, which we can't prove that either. And you can get into this, like what's the best way to do it and does it taste the same and should I, so you know, for, for, a, for a coffee lover, they're asking themselves this question. They're saying, okay, I've got this incredibly high scoring coffee and it tastes amazing. And do I enjoy it all now or do I store it? Okay, in one or two years time, will I take it out the freezer, stick it through the grinder and be disappointed? Well, that is a good question. I think all we can definitely say is that the best way to store coffee over a long period of time is freezing. And so far, the evidence would suggest that the quality holds well. Does it taste as good as when it was at its peak, when it was fresh? We don't know, but if you didn't have a choice, if you said to me, Maxwell, you have to store coffee for a long time, or you'd freeze it. You've seen it around the world where people are starting to have frozen brew bars, where you could even have a mixed, right? You can have some freshly roasted coffee, and then in the freezer, you keep you know, the super rare expensive coffees in small vacuum sealed doses, uh, and you have them on the menu, and someone can buy them and you pop them out the freezer, put them through the grinder and brew them, brew them a great coffee. So in coffee, I think our mindset is very much now and forward. And we always maybe believe that where we are today is better than where we were a couple years ago. And I think in many ways, in terms of understanding and technology, that's 100% true. But one of the questions I've, that freezing got me asking, myself and others that I spoke to in coffee, was do you think that the best cup of coffee you had this year is the best cup of coffee you ever had. And for all of the forward movement we're making in terms of the understanding of where flavour and coffee comes from, it still feels that, like a wine harvest, the best harvest is out of our control. And actually, does it mean that the best harvest of that, of that incredible coffee, whether it's Esmeralda in Panama or that Kenyan coffee of George Howe, was the best coffee a few years ago? That's a really interesting question. And I think having examples of coffees from different years and different origins, having that flexibility can only be good. You know, A, so coffee can taste better for longer is great, but also it's important for us to have those reference points. You know, I, I firmly believe that to taste well, you need to taste that side by side because you can lose context. So you go, I think this one's better than last year's harvest. 
but then you're using your memory and your memory's not great. So the only way to really tell if it's better than last year's harvest is to have the two side by side. So that's exciting. I think freezing coffee is, is, is really interesting. I think it's relatively easy for someone who uh, is a coffee geek. Do you freeze coffee? Out of the two concepts, which one is most familiar to you? Have you stored it for years but not ground it frozen? Do you think it tastes better? What's your experience been with freezing coffee? Please let me know in the comments below. And if you like what I'm doing, please like, share and subscribe this channel.